0: Hello and welcome to PhD Pending, the podcast for early career humanities scholars. Each episode will discuss a different aspect of PhD life, sharing both the ups and downs so that all your other PhDs out there can see that you're not alone. And so that those of you considering a PhD can get an idea of what you're in for. I'm Anne and I research drama and
1: contemporary literature. I'm Jenny, I'm a 19th-century British romanticist.
2: I'm a and I research 19th-century Irish women's fiction. And this is PhD Pending.
0: and welcome back to another episode of PhD Pending. This week we're gonna talk about work-life balance during the PhD, specifically being creative during the PhD. Now, I wouldn't necessarily call myself creative and I'd say (laughs) that's one of the reasons why I'd rather study literature than write my own. But luckily, both Jenny and Aideen are both creative writers on the side. So this episode, I will interview them about how they write creatively while also working on their PhDs. To kick us off, tell us a bit more about your projects and what kind of creative writing do you do?
1: So I write a lot of poetry right now, mostly because like that's a short form. I can get through a po- writing a poem or drafting a poem really, really quickly. Um, I also write novels, I have one novel published and another that I'm working on, and I have a much neglected blog that I occasion, very occasionally post on. What about you, Adine?
2: Well, I should probably preface with explaining that while I have written <laughs> a novel and I'm in the middle of a second one. Unlike Jenny, I am not published. Um, so I'm kind of on one of those people who's uncomfortable with calling myself a creative writer. Nope, you are a
1: creative writer.
2: <laughs> but you know the same way we're uncomfortable calling ourselves academics sometimes yeah that's
1: true yeah. yeah
2: so the the first novel I wrote um before I went for my MA so that was sometime in 2015 um and I posted it I got a lovely reply back uh, obviously it wasn't a go um and then I just didn't get around to it again until I went back to edit when the pandemic started so I started and I essentially rewrote it <laughs> so I'm very thankful it was rejected um but yeah, so, so that's it really. And I'm trying to just kind of balance it now so that when the PhD finishes, I have some solid creative writing there. Yeah, definitely.
0: How do you guys find your inspiration? Are there any writers who particularly
1: inspire you? Ooh. See, that's, that's a rough question. Like, who's your favorite author? It changes every day, all the time. Um, but some authors that I really admire, like I write genre fiction, sci-fi, fantasy, superheroes, whatever, all of it. Um, so like Yona Andrews and Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett, um, are really big influences for me, like people that I really love. And then poetry, like I love Denise Smith or Eileen Miles or Sarah Kay, like just anything, everything. I'll read the back of a cereal box. Like, <laughs> what about you, Aideen?
2: Yeah, I think I would have always been someone who, um, loved historical fiction primarily. Um which I'm not actually really doing <laughs> for my PhD. Um, but I think George Edgerton, who is one of the Irish women writers I write on quite significantly in my thesis, really made me want to get back into it. And I just think she's such a, an amazing writer, it really gets into the psychology behind her characters and the kind of culture that they have to live in and how that impacts it. Um, And I think she's one of those writers where every line could be quotable. Um, which obviously caused me absolute ire <laughs> I was trying to do my thesis chapters. Um but yes, yeah, so I think she really inspired me to get back into it and have a better way and really vastly improve my writing. Hmm.
0: I'm just getting anxious hearing you, you know, write novels during your PhDs and just like write so much and edit so much. So I suppose how do you make time for creative work in the middle of your research and teaching even and all the other admin um, tasks that you know happen every day
1: so I like I say I wrote I write a lot of poetry right now and that is primarily because I'm in the PhD because like I say it's much shorter like the poetry that I do tops out at a single page so tops out at what like 40 lines at a page maybe 50 so that's you can write a poem that short very quickly and you can edit a poem that short very quickly In the time that you can edit, you know, one chapter of a novel, you can run 30 different drafts on a poem that size. So that, like, the time constraints show in my poetry in a lot of ways. I'm also a midnight writer. Like, I am the kind of person, you know, I brush my teeth and I've done my breathing exercises and I'm ready for bed at 1030 and then I sit up and I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. And then it's suddenly it's two in the morning and I've been writing on this novel for, you know, three hours or four hours or whatever it is. And, oh, I should get to bed because things need to happen tomorrow. And that kind of happened during the pandemic. You know, the world went topsy-turvy and I wrote a pandemic novel like many, many other people did. Um, And when I finished it, (laughs) like it's not about disease, but it is about travel, like my characters glow trot quite a bit and I finished it and I was like oh I miss other people and I miss travel that's what this is about that's what I see I see (laughs) underlying message (laughs) Um, so yeah midnight writing or just writing poetry or you know the pandemic screwed us all up
0: Aideen what about you when does the creative itch itch you and how do you make time for it
2: um so I've kind of lost that um creative side of the creative process, weirdly. <laughs> so um, we'll say like, I would have been like yourself, Jenny, I would have been a midnight writer. I was a re- I was a fecker for like drunk writing. Like I'd come home and just be, like- <laughs> Oh, I
1: love drunk writing.
2: Yeah, and you just like, I would have been manic for weeks like of writing and then nothing for months. Um, So when I started, when I edited the first novel and I was happy with it, I kind of started the second one, but I started with with like half an hour every morning or half an hour every night. And it was kind of non-negotiable. Yeah, but it does, I understand what people mean when they say like that stunts the creativity a bit. But I did find then on weekends, I was able to go back and, and, you know, spend an hour or two kind of going over what I'd written during the week and make it a bit more enjoyable of a read but it meant I just got the plot down because I had a plot out in my head but yeah so I kind of got a bit more structured in terms of how so the academic part actually came in (laughs) handy there which which was a bit strange um but yeah it's definitely easier than and uh, because I think that manic writing is great in terms of the creative process yeah but then it means that you come up with like you might have ten thousand words in a few weeks which is amazing but then you don't write anything. It's like you've burnt yourself out. Well, I do. I used to always burn myself out. So I have found that even if it's not great, even if I tell myself you're only doing 250 words this morning, I've, I've managed to compile far more than I ever did in the few months before. So we'll see how it goes. But that's kind of my process. And I'm hoping then by the time I finish my, second, my PhD, I'll have the two novels ready to go to like manically send out to a million people and get 10 million rejections back. But at least they're done and I can start another one. <laughs> exactly.
0: So two different, of two very different approaches to the whole writing process. Um, we touched on it slightly before, but we'll get into it now. Um, have you managed to publish your work? I know, Jenny, you have. Um, we've already talked about the process of getting an academic journal article reviewed and published. Uh, so what does that look like? for creative projects.
1: So, like I say, I have a novel published. Um, It is by a tiny indie publisher out of the States, a publication outfit called Dreaming Big Publications. My novel is The Adventures of Dog Girl and Sidekick. It's about superheroes. Like I say, I'm a genre fiction person.
0: We'll put the Um, Amazon link into the show notes.
1: (laughs) Aw, you're so sweet. Um, (laughs) Yes. Uh, And that was, I had written this novel during my undergraduate years, um, particularly my senior year. Like, I went home for Christmas break and wrote over half of a novel over Christmas break. My family was not happy with me that year. (laughs) They were like, it's Christmas Day, get off your computer, you know, come sit down and eat with the family. And I'm like, no, gotta finish, gotta finish, gotta finish. Um, You power through. Um, I wrote it my senior year of college. I did a master's in creative writing and edited it during the master's. I started sending it off to publishers. I got my rejections back. It is the sign of a novelist, not that you can write a novel, but that you're willing to go through the publication process, I think, Um, because it is a bitch. I got enough rejections back to paper the walls of my room multiple times over. I was living in a very small room. In fairness, at that point, but um, eventually a friend who was doing a publishing master's was actually interning with this publisher, and so she sends me the link. She's like, "By the way, we're published. Like we have an open call, and I think you'd be a good fit. I like the way that they take care of their authors." Um, So I sent it off, and I got in. They liked my work, I did the whole full disclosure thing, by the way, a friend sent me, and they're like, "Yeah, that's fine. Because, like with many things, publishing, at least in the States, maybe less so over here where it's a smaller community, but in the States, a lot of it is who you know and how you approach them. Um, it's kind of the same here, networking, yeah. Yeah, networking, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so having that in with one of their interns to begin with helped a lot. And then I've got lots of poetry published, uh, mostly with individual, like, indie mags, that sort of thing. Submittable.com, anyone out there looking to publish anything creative, poetry, novels, short stories, memoir, whatever, check out Submittable.com. You can build a profile. All of the major magazines and most of the minor ones are on there. They'll have, it's like a one-stop shop for submitting your work to different places. Um... So yeah, you just, you have to keep plucking through it. I think last time I checked, I've got, I have sent over 60 submissions of various kinds through Submittable, and I've got like 20 publications out of it so but that's really good odds that
2: yeah that's not too bad yeah I expected terrible, like one yeah. or
0: two published out of 60 but like a third yeah, I was
2: expecting one or two and I was gonna be like that's amazing
1: <laughs> it's it's not terrible but I've been at this a while like my profile stretches back to 2017 so that's right yeah yeah, yeah. several years at this point yeah
0: Aideen yeah. hey, what about yourself how are you planning on going about the publication process given that you know you have or you will then have two or novels ready to go and not just short fiction or poetry
2: I think I think just like academic publishers can have so many different formats like anytime I've, I've sent off something um I, I think I submitted that first novel twice um and they asked for totally different things someone might want a whole chapter someone might mm. want the first six chapters and then you also have to write a letter basically selling it um which we're very you know accustomed to doing with our academic work um, But I do think, like, I would be very happy to go down the self-publishing route, but I would like to get the traditional publishing route first. And I know, like, I have so many friends who are self-published and they do amazing, like, social media and self-promo and so much work goes into it. Um, But I just think it's kind of like the PhD. Like, I, w- I will. I want my Viva, I want my doctor title to feel like I've truly become an academic. And I think I would like to f- get confidence in myself by getting a traditional publication, go the route, even if I have to take 10 years. And then maybe I'll be confident enough to self-publish. But I think I need that validation. I'm such a desperate fucker. No, yeah. like, no, I was no, I was, <laughs> was going to say,
0: self-publishing is kind of frowned upon because that means that, you know, there's no editorial review, there's no quote-unquote peer review or so.
2: Well, it's changed nice, because yeah. yeah, it's changed. It definitely has. I, I get what you mean because there was an author I worked with um about what oh god nine years ago now, and he said that. But he said even then it was changing because you kind of have to almost pay for an editor now.
0: Oh right, okay. Privately, yeah.
2: and then you have to pay for the artwork and stuff. So you're essentially okay. doing everything the publishers will do. Yeah. But just yourself, so it's too much work for me. Yeah. And there's but...
1: been some really <laughs> well respected. Irish, independently pub or self-published authored. What's her name? The crime writer, Catherine Ryan Howard, I think, started out um, self-published. She might have a publishing contract now, but she is a very well-respected women's crime Irish crime fiction writer. Um, so I right.
2: think yeah, I think you just have to be careful as well because there's some sites out there that will say oh self-published and we'll g- give you this package for three hundred euro and we'll do the editing and stuff that, and that I can be a con. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I think and they'll still take a, a shit on the proceeds and I think the the benefits of self-publishing is that you get all the proceeds <laughs> <laughs> so, um so like I have a friend A.W. Tinney who's brilliant and he just does so much artwork he does he like gets uh, proper editing done he has the full like he it's not ebooks it's it's um physical books as well and he's done a re he's done it the best way he kind of had me nearly swayed to do it and then I was like no because I just keep thinking back to the first time I got rejected and how much it's changed since then based off what they told me and I'm like I think I'm someone who needs someone to hold my hand a bit with it so that I don't embarrass myself (laughs) (laughs) but maybe in the future who knows yeah Uh, just with
1: a publisher like you have that bit of support staff like they're, depending on the size of your publisher, they're not going to do as much promotional work as you would like them to, but they will do some promotional work. Whereas with the completely self-publishing, like, you're pro- you get sucked down the promotional work rabbit hole. And that is a soul-crushing thing that I've been dealing with with the novel since it came out. So, like, that, that would be my plug for getting... A traditional publisher for at least one of your novels is that they'll help you with some of that promotional work with getting your work sold if you're looking to actually make money off of this.
0: Yeah, and I suppose looking at, you know, you trying to balance the creative writing and the actual chapter writing that you're going through um and you know we're all so entrenched in our research anyways that's our um day-to-day has any of your research made its way into your writing you know either on purpose or just looking back accidentally we talked about inspiration and I know Aideen that you write um about your author quite a lot that has inspired you um what else
2: Aideen if you want to go first yeah both of mine are historical fiction um And one is kind of historical fantasy fiction. um And they're both set in the period of my research. But the first one, obviously, I wrote that kind of started it in well before my MA. So well before I even knew I was going to come to this. This kind of subject area for my PhD, um, and then the second one, obviously, the more I read on on my area, the more I was like, why aren't people talking about these women? It does my head in. So, um, so yeah, so it's it's kind of a mix of both. I mean, I have like two or three short stories, you know, and you've read one, and they are completely like just more psychological rather than a as, as set time period or anything. It's uh, more modern stuff. But for the novels, definitely the research really helped me in the revision stage for the first one, because I was able to go back and make it a bit more grounded in reality. Um, and then this one is kind of entirely based off history, so it was really important to have that kind of cultural background. What about you, Jenny?
1: So it comes out in the poetry, definitely, like, and in weird ways, because I have this very specific knowledge, and I kind of expect my readers to have this very specific knowledge that they're they're not going to, like, I wrote a poem about Frankenstein, and then H.G. Wells' novella at the end of the 19th century, The Island of Dr. Moreau. And so, like, going into it, I kind of expect my readers to be f- very familiar with both texts, and I took it to my poetry group, and I presented them and to them, and they were like, hmm, we don't, what are you, what, the, we know you do Frankenstein, so we think we've got the Frankenstein bit, but what's the rest of this? About <laughs> So like that I someday I will write like this very specific collection of poetry that is just poems that I've written about my thesis work essentially, <laughs> or about topics that came up in my thesis. Um, so that's that's how it comes out in the poetry. And then my, not so much the first novel because like I say, that was pretty much done the first year of my PhD. But my second novel, my pandemic novel or whatever, it did come out in really weird and gruesome ways that I absolutely love. And I can't really talk about because I want to sell this sucker and you can't talk about it if you want to sell it. But, um, (laughs) But yes, it has definitely my research and my extracurricular research interests, I suppose, have kind of bled into just about every facet of my writing.
0: Yeah, so definitely positive synergies going on between the two as well. It's not just draining all your energy in one and then you're just trying to put it back through creative writing.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, lots of positive synergy.
0: (laughs) And on that note, so what kind of tips do you have for anyone trying to maintain their creativity during their PhDs? Because we know it's so taxing anyways. How do we find pockets of time? And um, yeah, how can we just ensure that You know, the creative site doesn't fall short if you can condense that into a couple of tips. Jenny, if you want to start.
1: So for me, and this is not for everyone I know, but for me, word count like goals, like this week I'm going to write 2000 words or whatever, are complete bullshit because I will just stress about that word count. Like I will do everything I can to reach that word count as opposed to going to it organically and the same with time limits I'm going to write 20 minutes a day like that doesn't do anything for me it has to be organic on some level um, but again that's for me like I don't do well with that much structure with that kind of pressure because if it's a time limit then I'm lo- that I'm watching my clock like I'm preoccupied with my clock if it's a word count then I'm preoccupied by my word count instead, I write out, like, when I'm doing a novel, I will write out everything except the last page of whatever it is that I'm, that that thread of inspiration has me on. Like, I will do everything except the last bit, and then I can rough sketch it out and I'll leave it. And if I do that, then I know I have somewhere to pick up on, to dovetail with the next time I come back to that piece of work as opposed to writing all of the inspiration out, finishing out the chapter with you know the big cliffhanger and then walking away and going cold entirely and trying to come back to the work, back to the novel cold. Um, so having leaving that little bit of a dangling thread that I can latch onto the next time is really, really helpful for me. But like I say, every writer is different. Other people work well with structure. Other people work well with, braiding out the entire thought and then tying it off before they start the next one that's just not the way I
0: work Jenny that reminds me of the way that I actually did my PhD I would always set up the next task for the next day so that I wouldn't have to start code like you call it on the next piece of actual research writing Uh, but yeah what about you Aideen
2: yeah so I I would have been someone who as I said like would have gone with the inspiration but then i found out to go back and backfill so many scenes and they didn't quite make sense for the character etc so this time when i started a new one i had like a timeline of the period and the the key aspects of the person's life that i was going to cover um but i started i have drunk writing sessions every now and then where i'm just having a dinner or two and i'm like you know what i'm gonna go in and write who was it was it hemingway write drunk edit sober yeah 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 but um I yeah now I do the daily dose and and like you said Jenny I might say okay you're having a coffee for a half hour in the morning when it's peaceful right while you're doing that or I might say okay when you finish 250 words it's not a set time or word count every day it's just a general do something for a little bit um and then they add up very quickly but I am now writing it in order just because I'm able to then you know I'm covering quite a long period of this person's life. So I'm trying to write the start. There's no point in me trying to jump from writing when she was a teenager to then writing when she was a woman, a, a yeah. mother of two. You know, I'm kind of trying to follow her growth trajectory yeah. with her. So that's my, my post at the moment. Little and often. And then follow the creation when it hits, of course, as well. But little and often for me is working at the moment. But again, it's just down to everyone. And I think maybe your PhD experience does inform how you end up changing it? I've become to the point where I can't just chill on an armchair or my bed and write a chapter. I have to be at the desk at a certain hour. Whereas I used to be able to sit on the bed and write a chapter. Um, so I think it's just it might you might find if you are doing creative writing, um, during the PhD that you end up following the same process as as your kind of academic. Um, routine as
0: well yeah definitely loads of parallels between the academic writing or the way you guys go about academic writing and also creative writing and as a not very creative person I definitely learned a lot um so Actually, these are all the questions that I have for today. Um, thank you for sharing your experiences as creative writers and novelists, but also PhDs as creative PhDs. Um, we hope that this was a fun episode and a fun um, new concept that we tried out um, and that you've learned something about creativity and research and do you know that the PhD doesn't have to kill your creative itch? <laughs> now we want to hear from you so are you a creative writer and are doing a phd do you have other creative projects going on like maybe film or photography or music we'd love to hear from you and you know share your artwork um join the conversation on twitter and instagram at phd Penning pod or send us an email to phdpenningpod at gmail.com if you enjoy the show be sure to rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app and it helps a lot uh, so that other people can find us too if you'd like to support us financially you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash phdpendingpod and as always thank you for listening we'll see you again in two weeks time bye guys this episode of phd pending was written and produced by adine regan jennifer deb and me anna Marla. post-production support by jerome kelleher artwork by neve d Get in contact with PhD Pending on Twitter at phdpendingpod or via email under phdpendingpod at gmail.com.